Thank you, Brother Terry. If you brought your copy of God's Word, turn to 2 Kings. 2 Kings. We want to look at 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. Going to be sharing verse 1 and following from 2 Kings chapter 20. Before we do, I'd like to just have a, a prayer as we remember our mission team again. And what I want to do this time is just call each one of those names out. Uh, this is what I want to do each day, uh, hopefully more than one time. And let me encourage you perhaps to do the same thing. Pray for them individually, if you will. Let's have a prayer together. Father, as we come to you again in prayer, we lift up our mission team, not just as a whole, but we want to lift up their names individually. And so I pray for Mike Norton. I thank you, Lord, for his leadership, and I thank you, Lord, for his planning of this trip. And this was the first trip uh, that he has planned, and he's done such a great job. And I thank you, Lord, that... Um, you directed him and guided him and what we needed to do, where we needed to go, and how you worked out the particulars of this trip. So I lift Mike up to you in prayer. I pray for Gina. I pray for Gina Norton. I pray for Gina as she goes out and as she shares her testimony and as she witnesses. I pray for Gina. I pray for Kevin Hill. I thank you for Kevin and how he assists Mike as an assistant leader on this mission trip. Thank you for his heart for missions. I lift him up to you in prayer. Pray for Sharon Loden. Sharon went with a, a crippled foot, but she felt like she was to go on this trip. And I pray for her as she works with the children. I pray for Angela Berry. This is Angela's first mission trip to go on. I pray that you would just be with her. Calm her and give her the assurance, Lord, that everything's going to be okay and you're taking care of them all. I pray for Terry Bell. As Terry is a seasoned missionary. I pray, Lord, you'd be with her as she helps the others, perhaps the first time, who have been outside the country. I pray for Brianna Glass. Thank you for her and her willingness to go and be with her as she works with Terry and works with children and works with the eyeglass clinic. I pray, Lord, for Jeannie Dollar. I lift Jeannie up to you. Whatever she'll be doing, I pray that you'll be with her. For Wade Head, I thank you for Wade. He's going with our church from another church, Philadelphia Church of God. I lift him up to you in prayer. This is his first mission trip, Lord, and I pray that he'll have a great experience. I pray for one Ada Wells. I lift her up to you. She's, been in, she's had some health problems recently, but thank you for taking care of those, and I pray that you'll be with her and strengthen her on this trip. I pray for Jimmy Murphy. I pray for Jimmy who attends Southside Baptist Church. I thank you, Lord, that he was able to go with this, with this group, our group. For Abby Vincent, Abby's been with us before, and I thank you for her and her being able to go with, with uh, being part of Brother Philip's trip, Brother Philip Vincent, having, having a granddaughter to go. I pray for Tracy Lindquist. First time she's been on a mission trip. First time she's ever flown. And I lift her up to you in prayer. And 
pray that uh, you'll give her peace about this trip. I know you already have. I pray for Jamie Simpson. Jamie's been several times on mission trips, and I lift him up to you in prayer. Again, I pray for Philip Vincent. He's probably the, the oldest person on this trip. I thank you for his willingness to go. Just be with him and take care of him. And again, I lift their families up to you. So help us, we pray, to remember them each day in prayer. And Lord, again, we look forward to hearing the great things that you do through them. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Kings chapter 20. If you will, let's look at this. I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. In those days with Hezekiah, sick unto death, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall, and he prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass, after Isaiah, Isaiah was gone out of the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, Thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. And on the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord. And I will add unto thy days fifteen years. I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. And they took and laid it on the ball. And he recovered. Now I must admit that this message that I share this morning is not what I was planning to preach. I planned to, on preaching a, a sermon from the book of Titus entitled Living Expectantly from Titus 2 verse 11 through chapter 3 verse 2. Then I thought, well, God's leading me to preach about our nation and uh, things that are taking place in our nation right now as we're coming up on the birth date of our nation. And every time I'd sat down to study, I'd have to really wrestle with God about preaching from Titus 2 or preaching an Independence Day message. Every time I sat down to read and study, I wrestled with God. God kept filling my mind about 2 Kings chapter 20. And I share all of that because I'm deeply concerned with the urgency of why God would not let me waver from his insistence on Hezekiah, 2 Kings 21 through 7. However, I can assure that God has a people and God has a person and God has a purpose for this morning. So pay real close attention. Had it been left up to me, I talked with Terry last night, I would be preaching something else this morning. Hezekiah was one of the most godly of Judah's kings. 
He guided the nation during the critical period when the nation Israel was being invaded and destroyed. He set up reforms to correct idolatry of his father Ahaz. Under the influence of two prophets, Isaiah and Micah, Hezekiah thoroughly cleansed the land. However, his son Manasseh, ruled for 55 years, was one of Judah's most evil rulers. So this morning, we're not dealing with an evil king. We're dealing with a king which is one out of eight that is classified as a good king. They had eight good kings. Hezekiah is one of those classified as a good king. Now, first of all, notice in verse 1, he begins by saying, in those days. In those days. Some believe that this phrase refers to the days when the Assyrian king Sennacherib besieged the city. Is in those days. Hard times. Others believed that it refers to the days after the defeat of the Assyrians when everything was going well with Hezekiah. That in the midst of his triumphs, in the midst of his victories, in the midst of his favor with God, he received a very startling message. Now, the prophet of the Lord Isaiah was sent from the Lord and said, Thus says the Lord, that should get our attention. Thus saith the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. That startling statement should be a message for all of us. That is our wake-up call. According to James chapter 4, verse 13, listen to God's Word. James 4, verse 13, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we'll go into such a city, we'll continue there a year, we'll buy, we'll sell, we'll get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and, and then it vanishes away. God's Word says, listen, you don't know what you're going to be doing tomorrow because there may not be a tomorrow. So that should be our wake-up call. That is our slap in the face that gets our attention remark. Set your house in order. For you're not going to live, you're going to die. Now what's Hezekiah to do? Set your house in order. Now, the word house is interesting there. The Greek word is bayet, and it simply means a palace. It means a house, a house place. So the prophet did not say, set the kingdom in order. He said, set your house in order. He'd already set the kingdom in order. If you remember, I mentioned just a few things. He'd torn down the idle groves. They'd been torn down. Religious reforms had been set forth. 
And in essence, Isaiah is saying, and the Lord is saying through Isaiah, it's not about the kingdom, it's about your house. We're upset about the kingdom. We're upset about our nation, and rightly to be so, to be quite honest. But it ain't about the king, it ain't about the kingdom, it's about our house. We live in a nation that has turned its back on the two primary institutions of God, the family and the church. But it's not about the nation. It's about the house. And by turning our back on the home and turning our back on the church, our nation literally is shaking its fist in the face of God because we've changed His law. And the Lord's not weak. And, and the Lord, to the benefit of the wicked, is long-suffering and the Lord is patient. However, the Lord God Almighty is still God. He's still judge of the living, still judge of the dead. And one day, the judge will have court. However, unto then, God says to you and to me, to set your house in order. Now the question is this. Is your house in order? I mean, if God should fulfill this message to Hezekiah in my life or your life, would we lay down tonight and say, okay, my house is in order. You say, Brother Samuel, how do I put my house in order? If I, if I in this message to Hezekiah... If, that, if I take that literally to be a message to me, how am I going to set my house in order? Number one, you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's the first step. You see, salvation is more than mental. It's more than a mental acceptance about Christ. It's more than a mental knowledge about Christ. Salvation is a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. According to 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So salvation is, to, is dying to the old and putting on the new. And so to begin with, to set my house in order, I receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. Have you begun by receiving Christ into your life? If not, your house is not in order. You're not ready to die. To put it a little plainer. Second thing we would do is to repent of unconfessed sins. The sins of omission, the sins of commission. And at the end of the day, I find myself before my eyes shut at night, simply praying, Lord, Please forgive me and cleanse my heart of all sin. Lord, don't let me die tonight with any sin in my life. That's my prayer. 
So how do I put my house in order? I receive Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. I repent of unconfessed sin, the sins of omission, things I should have done, I failed to do, sins of commission, those outward acts of sin. I ask Christ to forgive me and to cleanse me. Number three, if you're taking notes, how do I put my house in order? I reconcile with others. Reconcile with others. Refuse to hold a grudge. Matthew chapter 18. Familiar passage. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then came Peter to him, said to him, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times, and Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee unto seven times, but unto seventy times seven. You say, well, Brother Sammy, how many times do I need to forgive? Seven times? No, seventy times seven. Forgiveness, you say, according to Jesus, is unlimited. So as a Christian today, I must love you with a Christ-like love and then I must forgive you with a limitless number of times of forgiveness. Now I know that perhaps gets tiring at times. But that's what we're to do. So to receive, to, to, to put my house in order, I receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I repent of unconfessed sins, daily basis. I reconcile with all men. And then, fourth, I serve God with all my might. Serve God with all my might. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 says this. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there's no work, no device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where thou goest. Whatever you do today, do it with all of your might. Because there's no work, there's no device, there's no way of doing it, there's no knowledge, there's no wisdom in the grave where you're going. So we better do it the best we can today. These past three summers, since April the 27th, 2011, God's given us opportunities to serve Him. I mean, we had clean up the debris, we had... Uh, serve on committees, we had different committees for this, different committees for that. We had to build a kitchen down, down below the hill for volunteers. And it was just a blessing to see God's people come every night, you know, after the volunteers had their, had their meal, to see our people coming in and, and, and cleaning the kitchen, and our youth coming in and cleaning the kitchen. And then those who worked security around the clock, while we had things laying out in the yard. Kind of take care of those things. And even now, it's a blessing to, 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 to serve our Lord as we get ready for our, our crossover and our, our first service and our, our dedication service just in a few weeks to come. And I noticed something, and with everybody helping and everybody that came to work, I noticed that everyone who, who comes to help has yet to complain and grumble. Did you know 
that you cannot serve God and complain at the same time? You can't do it. Try it. You can't do it. Friend, listen. There's something to the song, Serve the Lord with Gladness. In our works and ways, come before His presence with our songs of praise. Unto Him, our Maker, we will pledge anew life's supreme devotion to service true. Serve the Lord with gladness, thankful all the while for His tender mercies, for His loving smile. Blessed truth enduring, always just the same. We will serve with gladness and praise His name. Are you serving Christ this morning? Your house is not in order if you're not serving Him. Set your house in order. Serve the Lord. Now, there's a startling statement found in verse 1 and 2. But then there's an honest prayer. Look at verse 2. Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, 2 Kings. An honest prayer. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 2. Then he turned his face to the wall. Now, why did he do that? Well, he was on his sickbed. And no doubt there were people standing in the room. And to have some type of privacy, perhaps, he just turned away from them and he turned and faced the wall. Or he could have been facing the temple. He'd done that many times. We really don't know. But the Bible says that he turned and he faced the wall, and he prayed unto the Lord, saying... So you have this honest prayer. Prayed in private. Prayed toward the temple. He prayed unto the Lord, saying, verse 3, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I've walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and I've done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. In essence, Lord, spare me to live where I can continue to walk in your truth or receive me into your presence. Spare me or receive me. Now, listen, it's comforting to know that we've had a good walk with the Lord during our life. Lord, spare my life where I can continue to walk with you or just call me on home. Now he walked, he says, I, I've walked before thee. My eyes, in other words, my eyes have been toward thee. Right intention in his walk. He had a right principle about his walk. He says, uh, I've walked in truth. I've walked in an upright heart with an upright heart. And then he had a right rule. I've done that which is good. He wasn't lying to God. I mean, why would a man on his deathbed lie to God? I found that's the most truthful, the most truthful time that most people will be is when they're dying. If you'll say, have you ever asked Christ to save you? They'll say, yes. I have no reason to doubt that. A dying person will not tell you yes if it's no. Because he's fixing to leave this walk of life, or she is. And I've asked them, and they'll say, no, I haven't. And would you like for me to share with you how you can? Yes, I would. 
And he, he told the Lord, Lord, I, I, my eyes have been toward thee. I've walked in truth. I have an upright heart. I've done that which is good. Because see, in acknowledging that to the Lord, that made his sick bed easier to bear. Wouldn't you hate to be sick, knowing you're dying, and you couldn't say those things? I've walked in truth. My eyes have been fixed on you. I've done good in your eyes, Lord. That's when you can die in peace. Friend, listen. Because of a good conscience toward God, he could look death square in the face and not even flinch. And I found that most people during that time that have not a good conscience or are as afraid of death at that time is because they do not have a good conscience toward God. Startling statement, verse 1. An honest prayer, verse 2 and 3. And I'll close with this. It's an amazing result. Look at verse 4. It came to pass, after Isaiah was gone out of the middle court, he delivered his message, that the word of the Lord came to him again. Came to Isaiah saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, this is coming from me, the Lord says, God says, The God of David, thy father, I've heard thy prayer, I've seen thy tears, behold, I'll heal thee, and on the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord. And I'll add unto thy days fifteen years, and I'll deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I'll defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. So you have these amazing results. Now, what were the results? Number one, God heard his prayer. Number two, I will heal thee. Number three, I'll add 15 years. And we believe that he was about 40 years old when he prayed that prayer. And he died around, 50, around 54 or 55 years old. And then the result was, I will deliver thee in the city out of the hands of the Assyrians. My goodness. You see, Hezekiah had lived his life in such a way that a simple reminder of his commitment to God in verse 3 persuaded God to add 15 more years to his life. See verse 3? I thought that started out. I beseech thee, O Lord, here's a reminder. Remember now how I've walked in your ways. Just a, just a simple reminder. God, and because of that, God added 15 years. So this morning, God has delivered to each person, myself included, a startling statement. Set your house in order. For you shall die and not live. We don't know when that's going to be. I was, I was cleaning out my study yesterday. Kyle was over and we were carrying my books down. And I came back and I was just looking through some things. And, and I had a box of tapes. My dad died 12 years ago. And uh, I had a, a tape, his last sermon is on death. 
He preached that sermon on Sunday. And he died the following Thursday about why not to fear death. I don't know, I wondered when I was preparing this sermon if Dad had been notified. Set your house in order. For you're going to die, not live. And people are notified. Now here's a question I'll close with. Is your house in order? Man, I evaluated and evaluated and evaluated. Got up at a quarter to two this morning, had a blank sheet of paper. Still wanted to preach, Titus. And I began just to evaluate my own life. Yeah, I've, I've received Christ. I have. I've received Christ. Am I repenting? Brother Sammy, I've received Christ, but am I confessing my sins and repenting of my sins? Have I reconciled with others? Am I serving God with all of my might? Am I doing that? And the list, we could add to the list. But the point is this. While we're in the midst of life, we're in the midst of death. And that's just the way it is. And we're going to die. And we better be ready. Because after death comes the judgment. And we'll stand before God either at the judgment seat of Christ for the Christian, or we'll stand before him at the great white throne as an unbeliever. But we'll stand before the judge. So let's just make sure that our house is in order. Let's bow our heads for prayer.